It was July 1990. I was almost 18 and had just finished another season commercial fishing in Bristol Bay. And to reward myself, I wanted to go sport fishing at the headwaters of the Basharoff Lake, some of the best fishing in the world. My dad thought this was a great idea, and so he flew out my younger brother, Luke, who had just turned 14, to join me. I brought along my best friend, John Buller, who had been my fellow crew member on the fishing boat, and Luke brought along his friend, Garrett Nelson. Frank Tredikoff uh, took us 30 miles upriver in his skiff and dropped us off. It was awesome. The fishing was amazing. The scenery was majestic and the freedom was complete. We were having a wonderful time. I was roasting a porcupine over our campfire and brother Luke took the 22 pistol off into the tundra to practice quick drawing. Now, being the wiser older brother, I am sure if I knew about this, I would have put a stop to this. But Luke had re read a lot of Louis L'Amour novels and believed that he would benefit from knowing how to quickly draw a pistol out of his pants and shoot. Well, on one of his draws, the hammer caught on his Helly Hansen rain gear and the, the gun went off and the bullet entered his hip and went down into his thigh. The question for me was, do I tourniquet his leg? I didn't know much about medicine, but I knew if I put a tourniquet around his leg for too long, he'll lose his leg. On the other hand, I didn't know if he's bleeding out internally. It was a, a, a terrible decision I had to make. We were 30 miles from nowhere. There was, however, a fish and game counting cabin about a mile downriver. Uh, no one was there, but I thought maybe there's a radio. And so I asked Garrett Nelson to go down there and see if he could call for help. Unfortunately, he did. And there was a helicopter from one of the fishing uh, canneries available. And they came out within a couple of hours and picked Luke, Luke up. I have here a photo of Luke uh, in the tent waiting for rescue uh, shortly after he shot himself. I have another picture here of uh, the news. So for two days after Luke had been helicoptered out, I didn't know how my brother was. And that was a terrible two days, let me tell you. Uh, I had no appetite. I could hardly sleep. I wasn't interested in fishing. I was not having fun at all even though we were in this amazing camping spot because I didn't know if my brother would be okay. And so what great news it was when a skiff came up from Egigik to deliver the good news that Luke was gonna be okay. The bullet had missed his artery, it had missed his bone, and uh, he was gonna fully recover. Man, oh, what good news. The stress just poured off me. All of a sudden, I was full of joy and peace Again, today is Easter, and the good news of Easter is that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to be okay. Resurrection, not death, is our future. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8 verse 11 tells us that the same spirit that brought Jesus back from the grave 
will give life to our mortal bodies. If you have repented of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are indwelt with the Spirit of God. The same Spirit that gave life to Jesus' dead body will someday at the great resurrection give life to your body. Resurrection, not death, is our future. And so we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. And that is so good, such good news. I want you to embrace the good news of Easter this morning. Where are you emotionally? You know, we've got this coronavirus pandemic uh, causing uh, havoc around the world. And, and a lot of people are afraid. And they're where I was uh, for two days waiting to hear about my brother Luke. They, they're stressed out. They can't sleep. Uh, life is just on hold right now. And, and God wants to interrupt your grief with the good news of Easter. And if you're a Christian, he wants you to be sure that you're going to be okay. You are safe in his care. And if you're not yet a Christian, today can be the day when your grief can be interrupted by the good news of Easter. And you can rest secure in that hope that resurrection, not death, will be your future. Here at Clearwater Church, we are finishing up a series in the Gospel of Mark. And today we're looking at Mark chapter 16. And in our Bible story today, there are three women on their way to the tomb. They want to anoint Jesus' dead body with spices. But they're unable to complete their plan because there is no dead body. Jesus has risen from the dead. Their grief is interrupted. And that's what I've titled today's sermon, Grief Interrupted. God wants to interrupt our grief with the good news of Easter. Will you let him do that in your life this morning? Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Mark chapter 16. I, we're looking at the first eight verses today. I read, When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they might go and anoint him. Jesus died on Friday. Saturday was the Sabbath. And in Israel, you could not uh, buy anything uh, during the Sabbath. But when the sun went down Saturday night, the Sabbath was over. And so Sabbath, uh, Saturday night, these women bought spices in order to anoint Jesus's body. Now, this tells us that these women believed assuredly that Jesus was dead. Mark told us in the previous chapter that they had watched Jesus die on the cross, that they had watched Jesus be laid in the tomb. They were not hoping to find a swooning Jesus recovered. They knew that they were going to find a dead body. They knew full well Jesus was dead and he'd been dead now for three days. And very early on the first day of the week, that would be Sunday, and that's why uh, Christians often worship on Sunday because we remember the resurrection. When the sun had risen, they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Uh, they had undoubtedly seen the big 
stone rolled in front of the tomb. And they were not sure how they were going to gain access to Jesus' body because they weren't strong enough to roll that stone away, but they loved Jesus. And they were headed there with hope. Now I want you to catch what, what the hope is and what the fear is at this point in these women's lives. Their hope is that they will be able to uh, honor Jesus by anointing his dead body with spices. And the purpose of the spice was to cover the smell of the decaying body. They wanted to honor him that way. They wanted to uh, finish their grieving process in the way that they had always grieved. Their fear was that they would not be able to gain access to Jesus' dead body. So that's what they're hoping. That's what they're fearing. Notice they are not hoping to find Jesus alive from the dead. That, that was not their hope at all. That was so outside the realm of possibility. They were not uh, hoping that at all. Verse 4, And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. So they've come to the base of the cliff. Jesus' tomb was a, a cave carved into the cliff face. And so they're at the bottom, they're looking up, and they can see the stone's been rolled away. Now, I have to imagine that they uttered a prayer of thanksgiving. God, thank you. Our fear is not going to be realized. Thank you that our, our hope will be fulfilled. And yes, God was with them. And God loved these women but he had something much better in store for them. Not a dead body, but a risen Lord Jesus. Praise God. Verse 5, And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side. Other gospel writers tell us that young man was an angel, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. Every time in the Bible a human encounters an angel, there is fear. And when the angel has been sent from the Lord with good news, the angel always says, don't be afraid, don't be alarmed. Verse 6, And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. The gospel, this is the first time the gospel is proclaimed. And the gospel is this, Jesus of Nazareth canceled the penalty of sin on the cross. You and I are the sinners. We're the ones deserving death. Jesus did not sin, and yet he substituted himself on the cross. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He willingly went to the cross and laid his life down to pay, take upon himself the penalty for our sin. By his stripes, we are healed. And so Jesus' death on the cross canceled the penalty of sin. And then Jesus' resurrection from the dead canceled the power of death. You see, there is an empty tomb. And the empty tomb symbolizes the fact that death has been emptied of its power. Death does not need to have power in your life because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, canceling the power of death. The gospel, your sins can be forgiven and death can be conquered. 
What good news. The gospel has been proclaimed. Verse 7, but go, tell his disciples. Isn't that amazing? The first time the gospel is proclaimed, immediately there is the mission given to those who hear the gospel. Go and tell what you have witnessed and heard. Go tell other people the good news that Jesus is alive and that they too can live forever. But go tell his disciples and Peter. That's interesting. Peter was a disciple. Why name Peter specifically? Well, probably because Peter had denied Jesus three times and probably thought to himself, I'm out. I've, I've gone too far. I've disappointed Jesus. There's no coming back for me. I am a, I'm a denier. I'm an apostate. And so God is being very specific Peter also. And so the first time the gospel is proclaimed, there is grace all over it. Undeserved favor. Jesus wants Peter to know, you denied me, but I haven't given up on you. I love you. And I still have a mission for you, and I still want to be your friend. And that's God's word for all of us. You have not run too far too long. At any moment, any person can turn back to the Lord. And God's arms are wide open saying, come, return to me. I love you. And Jesus, through the cross and the resurrection, has laid the foundation of salvation. You don't have to do anything except receive. Receive the good news. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Jesus is alive and on the move. And he has got a plan for your life. That's awesome. So how did the women respond? Well, spoiler, uh, not in faith, not with peace and joy and obedience, Here's what we read in verse 8. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. So they did not run out in faith and obedience. They ran out in fear and disobedience. They said nothing to anyone. Now this was temporary. We know that in time they came around and did become faithful witnesses. But I think Mark wants us to grapple with the, the astonishment of this news that Jesus is alive and how it impacted these three women. See, why didn't they tell anybody? Was it because they were afraid that they'd just seen an angel? Maybe, but I don't think so. Was it they were afraid that no one was going to believe them and so they, they didn't want to be embarrassed or mocked? Maybe, I, but I don't think so. I think, here's what I think it is. I think it's that these women are so overwhelmed with the good news of the gospel that they can't even speak it to themselves, let alone tell anyone else. You see, the fear is more specifically described here as trembling and astonishment had seized them. They were astonished 
at what they had witnessed and heard. This was the best possible news. Mary Magdalene, Jesus had cast seven demons out of her. She knew what it was like to be in spiritual bondage and to be set free by the power of Jesus. Jesus was her savior. She loved him. His death was a terrible, distressing thing for her. Mary, the mother of James, might very well have been Jesus' own mother. The death of her son, the son that had been promised to her by an angel, for him to be alive, this would be the, the satisfaction to her deepest desire. Salome is the mother of two of Jesus' disciples, James and John. This is the woman who was so excited that Jesus was the Messiah and she, he, she went to him and said, hey, when you come into your kingdom, will you let my boy sit on your right hand and your left hand? Jesus said, you don't even know what you're asking me. But, but now Jesus is dead. And does that the, 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 the crushing of her, her hopes and dreams for herself and her boys? Listen, Jesus alive is the best possible news. Satisfy their deepest longings, solve their, their greatest problem. It's such good news. I don't think that they can and speak it to themselves, let alone tell anybody else. You ever heard, if it's too good to be true, it's probably not true. Uh, when Sabrina and I were in seminary, there was this guy uh, going around campus guaranteeing 20% return on investment, a Banyan International. He was a representative of Banyan and he said, look, you guys are going into full-time Christian ministry. We don't do this for anybody else, but just for you, it's our ministry to you, 20% guaranteed return on investment. And Sabrina and I were like, hey, hey, sign us up. Well, an older, wiser friend of ours took me aside one day and he said, look, Mike, I heard about this 20% return. Look, in the investing world, that, that's just too good to be true. And in my experience, if it's too good to be true, it's not true. Well, he was right. It was a Ponzi scheme. And shortly after we invested, boom, $5,000 gone. Uh, and the, the, the guys at Banyan were arrested and put in jail. Listen, a lot of people have learned uh, through disappointment uh, this principle. If it's too good to be true, it's probably not true. You know, we've, we've put our hope in something. It's turned out to be false. And, and we're, now we're gun shy. Please do not let past disappointment keep you from receiving Easter joy. The good news of Easter is truly good news. And it's good news because God is a good God who wants life for us, not death. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Receive the good news of Easter and have your grief interrupted. God wants you to live and live forever with Him. You know, one of the Best evidences of the truth of the resurrection is the fact that so many who saw Jesus alive from the dead went on to themselves die for their testimony. 
And people don't die for what they know to be a lie. And so at some point, the knife was put to the throat of many of Jesus' disciples who were going around saying, I saw Jesus Christ alive from the dead. The knife was put to their throat and they were said, recant or we'll kill you. Now listen, if they knew that their testimony was a lie, there's no way they would have stuck with it all the way to the point of death. And yet many of them died for their testimony. Why? Because they had seen Jesus alive from the death, uh, dead and they had lost their fear of death. And they knew the world needs to hear this good news. And so I can't recant. People need to know that they can live forever and ever. You know, the Apostle Paul in uh, his letter to the Corinthians says, the Christian faith without resurrection from the dead is a meaningless faith. He puts it this way, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Listen, apart from the resurrection, Christianity is just a, a, a moral religion. But it's not. It's an eternal life religion. It's a resurrection from the dead religion. Boy, here's, here's what happens. And I think there are a lot of people who are, go to Easter services and it might be, you might be this way watching right now. You love the Easter story because it's a beautiful story. It's a hopeful story, but you don't believe in an actual resurrection from the dead. I mean, you don't believe that Jesus actually came back to life and is alive today and will someday bring back to life all of his followers to live forever and ever, not in time and space and flesh and blood, this is, it's a, it's a myth. It's a, it's like a fairy tale. It's a beautiful story. We tell each other to encourage each other, but we don't really believe it. Listen, that's being too afraid to, to speak to yourself the good news because it's such good news. But the testimony of the, of the Bible, the testimony of the disciples is that Jesus Christ actually came back to life. He is alive. Someday, by the Spirit that indwells the Christian, He will bring us back to life to live with Him forever and ever and ever. Not a metaphorical resurrection, a real flesh and blood, tangible time and space resurrection from the dead. You will be okay if you are in Jesus Christ. Brother Luke, <clears throat> he was telling me the other day, we were talking about the, the time he got shot himself. And he said, you know, uh, most 14 year olds don't have to grapple with their mortality, but I did. I realized I could have died. And it caused me to take uh, my faith in Jesus Christ much more seriously and uh, to put a lot more 
uh, stake in, my, in the hope that I had in the resurrection from the dead. And so later that month, uh, we were at a Bible camp at Besheroff Lake. It's not there anymore, but uh, there was this Bible camp and James Walsh was the camp speaker. And he was giving a devotional right down there by the lake's edge. And he said, hey, does, do any of you want to get baptized to make a public profession uh, that you are a follower of Jesus Christ and that you are trusting him for the forgiveness of your sins and for life eternal? And Brother Luke was still on his crutches and he, he crutched his way right down to the water's edge. And I got some pictures here for you of Luke being baptized that day. And he is uh, so proud of that fact. And here he is today, uh, 30 years later, following Jesus Christ. And he wants you to know there is truly resurrection from the dead. And he invites you to come be a follower of Jesus Christ. What does it take to become a follower of Jesus Christ? It takes faith. Putting your faith in God's Son, Jesus. Let me read three scriptures for you. Acts 16.31 Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. John 1.12 But to all who did receive him, that's Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And John 3.16 most famous uh, verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Will you put your faith in God's son, Jesus today? If you do that, your grief will be interrupted by the hope and the joy of Easter. Resurrection, not death, will be your future. You will be okay in the safe care of our God. So these three women were headed to the tomb and they, what they were wanting to do is, is finish out their grieving and their grief was interrupted by the good news of Easter. God wants to interrupt your life. He wants to interrupt your grief with the joy of Easter. Will you do that? Will you let him do that? You know, for these women... They never got to uh, grieve the way they intended to. And I don't think they ever grieved the same again. How could they? Because now they knew that death had been overcome. How could they ever grieve the same again? And, you know, that's what we are reminded of uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Uh, we read this. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. That's a euphemism for dead, physically dead. That you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. See, many people, when they face physical death, they have no hope. In their minds, that's the end. I'll never see them again. They will never live again. It's game over. That's hopelessness. But not the Christian. The Christian grieves the temporary separation of physical death. But we have the hope that we will see our loved ones again or that we ourselves will rise again. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him 
those who have fallen asleep. The Apostle Paul says Jesus is the first fruits. He's the first one to have risen again, but he will be followed by a great harvest at the great day of resurrection when the Spirit of the living God brings back to life all the dead in Christ. And we shall receive a, a resurrection body and we shall live forever and ever with our loving God and with our fellow saints. I want you to be there. I want you to experience that resurrection. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so will you do that right now? We're going to conclude. I'm going to um, give you a chance to respond. There are no magical words. God sees your heart. And you might be surprised right now because you feel God drawing you. You feel him tugging on your soul. And, and you know, it, there, everything within you wants, wants this life eternal. You know what? There are no magical prayers. You just pray something like this. You just say, God, I'm a sinner and I don't want to be far from you anymore. God, I receive Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Forgive my sins. Give me life eternal. Amen. To whoever, whoever receive him, to them gave he the right to become children of God. That is God's promise to you. It's not whoever's good enough. It's whoever receives him. And if you receive Jesus this morning, God gives you the right to become his child. Grief interrupted, resurrection, not death, your future. We're going to be okay. Amen. God bless and happy Easter.